Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Join Hoda Kotb for a brand new season of her podcast, Making Space. For season five, I am making space to talk to people who are providing a sense of hope and inspiration when life changes course. Uplifting conversations with inspiring individuals like NFL legend Drew Brees, singer-songwriter Ziggy Marley, and today's show co-anchor Savannah Guthrie as you have never heard her before. I found faith more viscerally, not because the bad thing didn't happen, but because it did. I promise you, like me, will leave these conversations with some wisdom for your own journey, empowered and inspired to make space in your own life. New episodes of Making Space with Hoda Kotb are released every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year, for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in Santa Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Patty Lynn is the author of End Credits, How I Broke Up with Hollywood. This is our Zivi Books title for September. And I hope you will all check it out and read it. I fell in love with this manuscript when it came in on submission and got to know Patty quite well over all this time. And I'm so proud of her. And of course, the timeliness of this book cannot be underrated with the writer's strike and everything else going on. So this is an important read, a timely read, and just really great. Patty Lynn is a former TV writer and producer whose credits include Freaks and Geeks, Friends, Desperate Housewives, and Breaking Bad. She has also written pilots for Fox, CBS, and Nickelodeon. Her Breaking Bad episode, Grey Matter, was nominated for a Writers Guild Award for Outstanding Script in the Episodic Drama category. She retired from television writing to pursue other interests and occasionally appears in background acting roles. She lives in Los Angeles with her husband. I am so excited also that we are partnering with Moleskin on all of our Zibi Books releases. The offer that Moleskin has given to us and all of our amazing listeners is 15% off paper and bags with free personalization with the purchase of a notebook. The code is ZIBBY, all capital letters, Z-I-B-B-Y. 
We are so grateful. Our partnership means so much. We're going to have a whole booth together at the Miami Book Fair in November, and they have made these beautiful custom notebooks for our books that say stories are best when shared, color-coordinated to our covers, and are wrapped in information about our books and have dedications to our books and authors on the inside of the notebooks. It is so special. We are so excited. And I personally am obsessed with Moleskine notebooks and really was just over the moon excited to be partnering with them. So please take advantage of this code. Again, go to moleskine.com, M-O-L-E-S-K-I-N-E.com and take 15% off paper and bags with free personalization with the purchase of a notebook using code Zibby, Z-I-B-B-Y. I hope you knew that already. Welcome, Patty. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss end credits, how I broke up with Hollywood, which happens to be a Zibby Books title. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Zibby. <laughs> so exciting. So please tell listeners what your book is about. My book is a memoir about my television writing career. I wrote for TV for about 10 years and I retired when I was 38 <laughs> because I learned pretty quickly that the TV writing business was not what I had hoped it would be. And I was burnt out in every way and just felt like I needed to get out and do something else with my life. And so I started writing a book. I mean, I didn't even know it was a book at first. <laughs> <laughs> but I just started writing about my experiences in the television business, and that grew into this memoir. Did you ever think about writing about your experiences in the television business as a television story only? Or like, did you ever think about writing it as a screenplay or did you go into prose? And had you written, no. prose, had you written prose before? I had written some prose before. You know, I, I, I mean, when I was a kid, I used to write short stories, you know? So that was kind of my first attempt at creative writing. But yeah, I mean, I never thought about writing this as a script just because, I don't know, it just didn't occur to me. It seemed like it was, it would be really difficult to do it as a script when what I was writing about was how, you know, devastating <laughs> that whole, that whole, you know, process was for me. So I had to kind of step away from that and do it in a different form just to be able to tackle the the topic. I don't even know why I asked you that. But anyway, it just came out. No, I mean, it, it makes... I mean, <laughs> I, I think I've gotten that question before. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so when you were writing prose versus the way that your brain thinks when you're writing for TV, tell me the differences in approach and how you did it. I know obviously a lot of TV writing is collaborative and obviously mm -hmm. when you're writing a memoir, it's something you do by yourself, but mm -hmm. even how you approach it, how your brain thinks of it, were there differences or not so much? It was very different. You know, I mean, writing a memoir was just so much more personal than any of the screenwriting that I did. And I think that, you know, screenwriting is a very specific skill and when I started writing a, a book, I realized that I was writing, you know, my first attempt, you know, at writing a book, it was like my prose was very sparse and it was, mm -hmm. and it, it came out kind of flat, you know, and, and I think that was because when you write a script, 
you're you're writing a blueprint essentially, you know, because you know that a director is going to come in and interpret it, and you know that like a production designer is going to, you know, figure out what the wallpaper looks like, and and actors are going to, you know, interpret the lines, and so you're already sort of anticipating that it's going to be collaborative, and so you don't write with all the details that you would write in a book, and in fact, you know, in screenwriting, it's considered to be not good writing if you're using a lot of like description and stuff. So I had to retrain myself, you know, when I was writing the book to to really give the like sensory details and to paint the scene because a director's not going to do that, a production designer is not going to do that, you know. And it's still something that I I have to work really hard to do because I'm so like trained the other way. You know what I mean? So that was a big difference. And then also just like as you said, the collaborative aspect of it. Sometimes in TV, collaboration was fantastic. It's like one of the the best things that can come out of it. And then other times it's a nightmare, (laughs) you know, when there's not a cohesive vision and people are just like on different wavelengths that it can just be the final product can come out kind of a mess. So for me, writing a book and having that really be just mine at first was really important for, for myself. Interesting. Wow. Well, I don't know. As a someone who's never written a screenplay, that feels like impossible to me mm. versus I don't know if it ever felt if you were intimidated by the form. And I we can stop talking about form, but I'm just like so fascinated with people who can go back and forth, like poetry to fiction, yeah. fiction to screenwriting and screenwriting, you know, it's it, to historical fiction to, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a huge skill set. So I'm impressed. Right, right, right. Okay. So anyway, to your experiences in this world, <laughs> what what was the straw that broke the camel's back for you? You know, it wasn't just one thing. Honestly, it was, it w- I, I like to think of it as um, death by a thousand cuts because it was just like a lot of damaging experiences over and over and over. And then finally getting to the point where it was like, there was so much cumulative trauma from that, that I just, you know, couldn't take it anymore. So it wasn't one thing, but I, you know, if I had to point to like one of the, the experiences towards the end of my TV career that, you know, helped push me over, you know, it was working on, you know, writing a script and then having the showrunner essentially like rewrite the whole thing, which happened like all the time, all the time. But to have it happen and not sort of be kept in the loop about it was really upsetting. And there was a day where I was like, you know, on set supervising the shoot of my episode and my boss had like rewritten some pages and I didn't know. And then when I showed up, you know, people were were running around trying to figure out what was going on and they were yelling at me. And I was like, I had no idea. And it was just the most humiliating experience. Oh my gosh. You're you're shaking your head. I am shaking my head to say, (laughs) oh, that would be bad. (laughs) That would not be fun. Oh my gosh. I feel for you. You know, a big part of the book is not just about your experience in Hollywood. Although that's of course totally intriguing and interesting and so topical with the strike and everything Mm. like that. But what I also really loved was all of your 
personal experience and your relationship with your parents and your romantic relationships and how everything was affected by your job and expectations and and all of that. So can you talk a little bit about even like your parents and what they thought you should be doing or what you, mm-hmm. you just all the pressures you were under in all different ways? Well, my parents, you know, they wanted my brother and I to be doctors. I mean, they they were Taiwanese immigrants and they worked really hard to survive in America. And they, you know, they did that so that we would have more opportunities than them. And, you know, for them, doing something that was creative as a job just didn't make any sense. You know, like that nobody in our family did anything that was creative as a job. So I think for them, it was mostly... I mean, they they saw that I had creative aspirations and that they that I had talent as a child and all that. But like, I think that for them, you know, happiness as an adult meant financial security. And they just didn't see how I was going to be financially secure doing anything in the arts. So that was always a tension with our relationship. And even though they were supportive in, you know, they lent me money when I needed it. And they never, you know, cut me off or said, like, if you do this, we're not going to talk to you anymore. It was not, it wasn't like that. But, but I felt throughout my television writing career that they just were sort of baffled by what I was doing. They, They didn't really get it. And I always felt like they were kind of ashamed of me because I wasn't doing what all their friends' kids were doing, you know? Like, so that was really hard. And it wasn't until I went to therapy and just started working on my own feelings, like my own feelings of self-esteem, you know, and coming to accept myself devoid of any like accomplishments or, you know, external successes. When I've learned to love myself just for who I was as a person, that's when my relationship with my parents started to change because I wasn't so desperate Mm. to prove myself to them, you know, that I could just be with them. And at that point, like I was able to take in their love for me and not see them as constantly judging me and criticizing. Interesting. I feel like you need to post that therapist number somewhere for other people who may need... (laughs) And I the therapist number acknowledgments. in the show notes of this podcast episode <laughs> will be a referral line. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, that's that's good. Therapy at work. Success. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, grown-ups! The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishbowl podcast studio from the Cat in the Hat himself, and it becomes very clear that the cat 
has other plans for the podcast, and those plans are the opposite of quiet. The cat may be disruptive, but it turns out he's also a great help to get fish out of all kinds of predicaments. Bursting with music, silliness, and rhymes, the Cat in the Hat cast encourages us all to find fun that is funny in every episode. So sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at Titanic Tongue Twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or Wondery Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. And talk a little bit about your relationships and particularly the one major relationship which comes early on and is a shaping force throughout the story. Yeah. So I dated another TV writer. He was he wrote TV and films, but I met him when I was 18 and he was working as an NBC page. And I went to to get tickets to the Letterman show. And that that was like, you know, I was like in college and I had been a fan of the show. And so I wanted to go to the show, went to NBC to get tickets. And that's how I met him. And he was the one who who told me, you know, because I asked him, how do you, how would I get an internship at the Letterman show? And he told me, just write a letter. And so I ended up dating him after I graduated. And it, and we went, we were together for 10 years. And our relationship was very much based on that sort of like connection that we had to show business. And he helped me a lot. And I mean, he was the one who first told me how to get an internship. And you know, he helped me tremendously throughout my career, but he also was totally obsessed with work. And I mean, I think this is pretty common in the entertainment industry because that business takes so much dedication and, and you just have to devote your whole life to it. And, and he, he definitely did that. And when I started to, you know, become disillusioned with the business and I started to expand my interests into other things. You know, we started to drift apart and that was really difficult because, you know, his whole life was work and I just didn't want my life to be like that anymore. So, I mean, does that answer your question? Yes. I just like hearing about everybody else's relationships. I'm just like completely nosy is really what's going on. I structure I mean, this as a podcast, but really I'm just like, let me snoop into your private life and right. tell me what's going on. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that a lot of people will be able to relate to that relationship, even if they haven't worked in entertainment, because so many people, I think, are, you know, in relationship with like really workaholic people. And that can be so hard to to navigate, you know, mm-hmm. especially when one person stops being a workaholic. Mm-hmm. and the other one is still a workaholic, then that's uh, that's a big problem. You think that's like a deal breaker? Or are there tips for the non-workaholic? <laughs> or, the, or the workaholic? <laughs> Dear Patty, I am I'm suffering. Get, I'm getting a sense that this might be uh, a, a little bit more personal than uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, It wasn't until you framed it that way. And I was like, oh, God. Anyway. Uh, I don't have any tip. My only tip was that I had to get out of that relationship. Yeah. But you know, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm, I hope that other people can learn how to make it work because, you know, it's not that I didn't love him, you know? I mean, love is, it's it's just one part of the relationship, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Little did you know you were going to be put on the spot for your dating advice. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) you never know what you're going to get. Moving on. So post TV world, you have become this like master seamstress or not seamstress, that's the wrong word. What do you call sewer? It is, no, it's a seamstress. It is, I right? Guess. Seamstress. Yeah. yeah. Talk about that. And where did that come from? And what are you doing with that line of business and all that? Because you're so creative and your stuff is so amazing. Oh, thank you. It's not a business. It's really not. It's just a hobby. But yeah, I started sewing a few years. Uh, I say a few years ago, but it was really more like 15 years ago or something. Uh And I just, you know, it was kind of just a a whim. I was never interested in sewing before. And then I just bought this sewing machine on a whim. And um, I was actually, I got it because I was going to Burning Man and I was going to decorate my bike and I was going to put fur on my bike to make it look like Chewbacca. Okay. This is a whole, this is going off on a whole other tangent. <laughs> but, but anyway, I bought the sewing machine to decorate my bike. And then I realized, oh my God, I don't know. I can't even thread this machine. Like it took me half an hour just to thread the machine. And then I realized I needed to take some lessons. So I found a small independent sewing studio in LA and I just started taking lessons And I fell in love with it. I had this really great teacher who was just really fun. And she explained it in a way that was like easy. And, and I just started making, you know, pajama pants. I must've made pajama pants for like every person that I knew. And then I started taking more and more advanced classes. And so, you know, now I, I, I can make dresses and I can make shirts and, you know, costumes and things like that. But it's, it's just a joy because it uses a different part of my brain than writing you know, and it kind of reminds me of drawing and painting, which is something that I used to do when I was a kid. And then I just, I, you know, stopped doing it when I got to college because I was like, I need to study. I need to like be serious, you know, (laughs) but I never lost that sort of, you know, drive to do creative things that were not necessarily verbal. So that's the void that sewing fills for me, you know, and it's just fun. And I, you know, I tried selling some things and, you know, I I sold a few things, but I I really honestly feel like I don't want to turn it into a job because Mm -hmm. it, for me, it's, it's just a, it's a hobby and it's an outlet, a recreational outlet that I don't want to, you know, I just don't want to lose that feeling of fun and freedom that I have. Although there is a huge demand for Chewbacca bike (laughs) outfitting. So now you could be the person who does Let me that. tell you, let me tell you, that bike was so cool and it actually got stolen. That's oh how gosh. cool it was. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, when you are not outfitting bikes and teaching uh-huh. yourself how to make frocks and writing beautiful memoirs, what are you doing? And where do you want your life to go? Obviously, you have this book and the book marketing and all of that. But like, yeah. I don't know. What are your hopes and dreams for the next couple of years? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I honestly, I honestly don't know. I mean, I know that I would like to write another book. I mean, writing is definitely going to be a part of my life, I think, you know, forever. It's at this point, it's pretty obvious that I'm not not going to get rid of it. <laughs> But I don't really, I don't like make lots of plans or I don't have a lot of goals. You know, I, I just, I know that sounds lame. <laughs> Does it, I'm not, no one is judging. <laughs> hey, microphone here. Are you and I judging? I don't think we're not judging you. 
<laughs> I know. I, it just, I mean, sometimes I, I realize what it, it must sound like to people like, oh, just, I'm just going to take life as it comes. But it's honestly, that's what it is. Like, I just, I, and maybe it was because when I was growing up, I was so ambitious and I had so many goals. I mean, I remember like, you know, coming up with lists of goals, you know, when I was very young and I I just got tired of doing that, you know, like I just got tired of putting all of that pressure on myself. And so now I'm, I've gone kind of in the opposite direction where I'm just like not ambitious at all. <laughs> and uh, I, all I know is that whatever I do in the next few years, I just want it to be creative and I want it to be, you know, I want it to feel organic. I think we might need the therapist back on the line to unpack this relationship <laughs> with ambition. <laughs> uh, I think that's great. I mean, as long as you're happy, are you happy? Yeah, I am. There I am go. very happy. There you go. That's awesome. Plus, this book is coming out at the perfect time. Everybody in the world is talking about <laughs> writing the strike. Every mm-hmm. like all of these details, which had been not mainstream, are now in front of everyone's mm-hmm. face constantly. How do you feel about that coming out at the same time? And just the fact that all this attention is is mm-hmm. on this industry. I'm I'm really glad that there is attention put being put on this. I really am because. I mean, you know, so much of this stuff that the writer's strike is about is like, these are issues that, you know, we were dealing with for years and years and years, and the general public didn't really know about it, you know, because all they see is the finished product. And 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 as a consumer of entertainment, you don't necessarily want to know how the sausage is made, but there's some like gnarly stuff that's happening in that sausage factory. You know what I mean? And I think that it's it's good that people are seeing that only only because you know all everybody like everybody wants to be treated with respect in the work that they do and writers should not be, you know, Hollywood writers should not be exempt from that, you know? I mean, it used to be that when I worked in TV, you know, a lot of people would sort of justify the sort of abusive, you know, culture or whatever by saying, well, at least we make a lot of money, you know, but now they can't even say that because they're not (laughs) like most writers aren't making a lot of money anymore, but it's not just about the money. It's really more about, I think, just the general, uh, you know, culture in which the writer's contribution is just not valued by, you know, the people at the top. Which is a shame because without the writers, what would you even have? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But everybody in Hollywood thinks that they're the hub, you know, that they're the ones that are, you know, creating everything, right? Like the writers think that they're the the ones and the actors think that they're the ones and the producers think that they're the ones, you know, everybody thinks that they're the center of it. And yeah, it's a collaboration. Like you can't have one without the other, you know, every part of it is is interdependent, but you know, the writers have generally been overlooked in a lot of this. And I just think that that's not fair. Yep. Well, let's see what happens. Maybe by the time this airs, it will all be resolved. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, that would be amazing. Any advice for aspiring authors? Oh boy. You know, it's, it's hard to give generalized advice because like what advice for, for one writer would be the opposite advice for another writer. (laughs) If I had to say one piece of advice. I'll just say a piece of advice that I wish I had had. And it's that, you know, just to, when you are starting out, you know, to really be careful about 
sharing your work with other people too early, Mm. you know? And I think the reason that I say that is because even though feedback is really important and, you know, you want to get feedback at some point, I think if you do it too early in the process, it can, it can really affect your motivation to finish the project. You know, for me, that was definitely the case. Like I didn't tell anybody I was working on this book for like years, (laughs) (laughs) you know, or I would just be very general about it, you know, but like if somebody really wanted to get into, you know, the, the details of it, I just, I just had to be like, I'm sorry, I can't, I just can't talk about it right now. And I'm so glad that I did that because it was so hard to even just get that first draft on paper. And I just really needed the safety and the privacy to do that, you know, because a new idea is like, it's like a newborn baby, you know, Mm -hmm. like you have to really coddle it before you, you let it out into the world. So I think that's the advice I would give to people starting out. And for somebody who's starting out in the screenwriting world and wants to be a screenwriter, what about them? What would you say to them? Don't do it. <laughs> I've given that advice a lot of times and nobody listens. They no, People who want to do it, they will not listen if you tell them not to. I would say just be prepared, you know, be prepared for a lot of rejection and just, uh, you know, you're going to have to grow a thick skin if you want to survive. And that's, that can be really hard because as a writer, you have to be vulnerable and sensitive, but at the same time to work in that business, you have to have a thick skin. So it's just a, it's a really hard contradiction to live with. And that's, it's part of the reason that I left, but that's uh you know, pretty much everybody I've met who's been successful in the business has a combination of those things. Interesting. Yeah, I have to say we've gotten a lot of resumes lately of people who who are saying, I thought I wanted to be a screenwriter, but actually I'm interested in editorial. <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah. Like, interesting. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we'll see if the tides end up shifting completely. That would be cool. First, then what would we watch on TV? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Patty, congratulations on end credits. Sorry this interview took us all over the place, but whatever. No, you- it's fun. <laughs> and I'm just so proud and excited to be affiliated with this book. Oh, you're thank such you. a great writer and your story is so interesting and so important and really awesome. So thanks for letting Zimmy Books come along for the ride. <laughs> oh my God. No, I mean, thank you. Thank you for making this process so so fun. It really has been amazing. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Amazing. Well, congratulations. Have Thanks, Zibby. <laughs> Thanks, you too. Okay. Bye, Patty. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 